0: Jesus' baptism has been understood in terms of salvation that addresses only individual, uh, personal, or private sins, rather than establishing systemic justice in place of systems that harm vulnerable and marginalized people. And this creates problems with the text. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 402. Happy New Year, everyone. Our title this week is Jesus' Baptism as Social Protest, and our reading for this weekend is from Luke 3 15 through 17 and verses 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectations, And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." Now, when all the people were baptized, when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So so this week, we're beginning a new calendar year. And we're also in the season after Epiphany. Jesus' baptism in Luke, it compiles several passages from the Hebrew scriptures, beginning with the story of the inauguration of the ancient King David in Psalms 2.7, it reads, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, today I have become your father. This inauguration happened in the context, remember, of opposition by foreign oppressors of Israel. That'll be important in just a moment. But in Psalms 2, verse 2, it, it reminds us of that. It says, the kings of the earth set themselves uh, and the rulers uh, take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. And the story of Jesus' baptism also echoed two passages from Isaiah, Isaiah 42, one through four. Here is my servant whom I'm uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teachings. And Isaiah 42 1-4, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit, remember that's a feminine uh, spirit, of wisdom, think of Sophia, and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness or remember justice, he shall judge or deliver the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. So the one in whom I am well pleased. That was, in the Hebrew uh, folklore, was to be associated with the world of establishing justice on the earth for the, the marginalized and oppressed. The one on whom the Spirit of the Lord rested would deliver the poor and bring equity for the meek. In both Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and Luke's Sermon on the Plain, the reign of God is proclaimed as belonging to the poor. While the earth is inherited, it's the inheritance of the meek. And those are the ones, remember, that are typically walked on by the powerful and the privileged. So, So these associations... They set us up to understand Jesus' baptism in a new way. Jesus' baptism has been understood in terms of salvation that addresses only individual uh, personal or private sins rather than establishing systemic justice in place of systems that harm vulnerable and marginalized people. And this creates problems with the text, uh, the, the traditional way of understanding it. John's baptism called people to repentance. But if that repentance was a rejection of private or personal sins, then Jesus' baptism becomes nonsensical because of the claim that Jesus had no private or personal sins to repent of. The early church father, Jerome, who lived in the 4th and 5th century, he quotes from the Gospel of the Nazarenes in which Jesus actually initially rejects being baptized by John, by, by John because he's never committed a sin. So again, the early church fathers realize this tension in the story. Jesus' is exceptionalism, it also made his association with John and John's baptism problematic for those Christians who who no longer wanted to be associated with Judaism or who wanted to at least communicate that Jesus was superior to everyone else, including John. So, So how do you have Jesus who's superior being baptized by John? To the best of our knowledge, the Gospels were written down in this order. Mark, then Matthew, then Luke, and then later John. Reading them in that order, we see a progressive attempt to distance Jesus from John and the Jesus community from John's community. To, to portray Jesus, once again, there's this, this effort to portray Jesus as greater than John and to declare that uh, John and John's movement was only a a precursor of Jesus. And the movement th- th- was really based on uh, 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 Jesus's life and work. So, so by the time of John's gospel, the gospel of John, John the baptizer doesn't even baptize Jesus. In Luke, if we take Luke's chronology seriously, John is already in prison by the time Jesus is baptized. This is very unlike the, the early Gospels of Matthew and Mark, where John is the one who baptizes Jesus. So, as we've stated, John preached a baptism of repentance. John was Jesus' mentor. And how are we to make sense of that? Well, consider Luke 3 10-14, through 14, as the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he, talking about John the Baptist, said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. Now, we talked about this passage weeks ago. Remember, John's baptism called for repentance for social or systemic sins. Repentance is a paradigm shift where you begin to think about things differently. So John's baptism of repentance, it symbolized rethinking how society was structured in relation to power and privilege and who was included and benefited and who was excluded, and on whose backs the elites profited. And this brings me to this week's point. An alternative lens for interpreting John's baptism of Jesus, John's baptism invited people to denounce the present order, to cleanse the canvas, so to speak, so something different could be born. Consider this commentary. This is actually uh, from the construction of the way into a reordering of power, and inquiry in the generic conception of the gospel according to Mark, and it's quoted with permission by Ched Myers in his book, Binding the Strong Man: a political reading of, of Mark's gospel, page 129 it, talking about baptism, is a genuine act of repentance. As such, it ends Jesus' participation in the structures and values of society. It concludes his involvement in the moral order in which he was born. So, when we read the story of Jesus' baptism through this lens, it was about rejecting or being cleansed of a society maintained by unjust institutions through which power is unjust ordered, It was a rejection of the way Rome had oppressed Jewish society and how Jewish elites even had become complicit in Roman oppression of Jewish people. Jesus' baptism, it meant rejecting these social constructions, especially the elitist ordering of power, privilege, and profit in the Gospels. We read of a Jesus who, who made it his life work to challenge his society's oppressive structures. So it makes perfect sense that he would have initially been a disciple of John's, that, 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 that he would have been baptized into John's critique of society. And then once John was jailed or put in prison, it makes sense that Jesus would have embarked on his own mission through the wilderness and into the marginalized regions of Galilee, proclaiming that the just reign of God had arrived. Jesus, who was uh, like David, was called son in the context of oppressive structures. He was the one in whom the divine delighted, whose work would be to establish justice in the earth. Jesus was the one upon whom the divine feminine spirit of wisdom. And again, think of Sophia would rest and who would deliver the poor and bring justice to the meek. This makes me wonder what our baptism-like rituals uh, today are. How do we uh, publicly reject present systems of injustice? I think of marches that I've participated in that were largely symbolic. They were calling for change at most, but they were rejecting the present way of doing things at the very least. Protests often use symbolic actions to reject the present order and call for something just. So what difference does it make for us as Jesus followers as we start this new year to interpret Jesus' baptism not as repentance for personal sins and then argue over whether or not Jesus had them, but rather as a rejection of the injustices of the current system that Jesus participated in, that Jesus embraced, and he calls his followers to embrace too. Jesus's baptism was a cleansing with water. It was a preparing the way for something better to take root and spread. So what new ways of ordering our world are our baptisms preparing us for to engage? Another world, remember, is possible. And that world begins with our denouncing and turning away from the injustices of our time. Heart group application this week. Number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group? Number two, what are some of the ways that you're preparing for something new in 2022? Discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. Happy New Year. I'll see you next week.